They were high school sweethearts that got married and had a kid. It's the Brunigs. In the swamp of D.C. they tweet all day, but that's okay. They're the Brunigs. She is a Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to our low effort, low quality podcast. This is Liz Brunig. This is my husband, Matt. Hi, everyone. And this is a special Valentine's Day episode. Oh, I didn't realize it was Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's Valentine's Day. Good. That's great. Yeah, we really, uh, I guess, don't really observe this holiday. Nope. I don't observe any holidays. You say you want more holidays, though. Uh, yes. I Well, I observe Veterans Day. I observe Pearl Harbor Day. What, by remembering the troops? Yes. Um, uh, Flag Day. You just post the SpaghettiO. President's Day. Every holiday is an occasion for the patriotic SpaghettiO. Um, <laughs> even Valentine's Day, if I had known that it was going on. You would have posted the patriotic SpaghettiO? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember this. One year, the SpaghettiOs account tweeted out a, a SpaghettiO holding an American flag, I believe, for Pearl Harbor Day. For Pearl Harbor Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's probably really memory hold now because the turnover of online is so high. But like yeah. real old old heads and, and vets like like us and other weird Twitters remember that unbelievable day. It um, was before brands were intentionally ironic. Yes. Well, yes. This was a totally sincere. It was sincere. Yes. He, they weren't yeah. doing a joke about Pearl Harbor. They were just like, well, uh, we need to do a thing on a, on a holiday. It's a Pearl Harbor day. Uh, <laughs> let's let's have a SpaghettiO with the flag celebrating America. But the SpaghettiOs, you know, it's got a big open grin because it's a hole <laughs> in the middle of the SpaghettiO. So it's just like a big mouth wide open with the tongue poking out. Um, seems to be happy about Pearl Harbor. Um, People made a lot of different SpaghettiOs after that. There was a like a Bismarck SpaghettiO and a Hindenburg SpaghettiO. Yeah, Iwo Jima was the obvious <laughs> one because he was holding a flag. It was an Iwo Jima SpaghettiO. Um, <laughs> I would say that that one was an... I knew it was coming. I couldn't produce it because I don't have the skills, but... It was, it was really um, a great moment on the internet. Here, one of our friends of the podcast, uh, you know, self, uh, 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 you know, elected friends, I guess, Stephen J. Klubeck, <laughs> Stephen J. Klubeck mm-hmm. of uh, Undercover Boss fame. If people remember the Undercover Boss episode, the meaning of yes, he is. Yeah, he was a Diamond Resorts guy. His slogan was the meaning of yes. <laughs> And he's just crazy. It's he an just, insane episode. He's a completely out of he's, his mind. He's a madman guy and he's also a democratic donor and he goes on tv all the time and says but don't you guys get radical i'm gonna yeah, pull he, my he money hates the left. um and he he for about a few a few weeks online he was he would reply on on there golden which period. is yeah now he stopped doing that i've tried to bait him every time he tweets but he tweeted a happy valentine's day thing i, I sent you okay um 
It's uh Let's take a look. Happy y- Oh, you no. should just describe it, I guess. <laughs> okay, here's here's what we got. Uh let's take a look at the account. Steven Klubeck, 60,000 followers. All right. And uh we have a picture here. Happy Valentine's Day to my love, says the text of mm-hmm. the tweet. The photograph shows a woman with a fully fully made up, uh, sort of dark hair, a little bit of blonde frosting going on. She's got a, a single red rose against her mouth. And then uh, there's, a, there's a, I guess, a note card on the pillow beside her. Obviously, the photograph is taken from directly above and her shirt. Don't forget her shirt. I don't know if you've. Is this is oh okay so she I she's wearing a, a Gucci T-shirt mm-hmm. it says Gucci on it but it's a T-shirt. Uh the the note card. Um, it's backwards. First it's, off, it's, it's it is backwards. It is letterhead because it says it Stephen says J. Stephen, Klubeck Stephen J. at the top. Klubeck letterhead in a in a kind of water. Uh, it's also dated. <laughs> it's dated two fourteen nineteen. There's a date, and then it says Stephen Klubeck. It's backwards because she's taking a selfie or, or something. I guess it uh, flips the image. It says the uh, real Valentine's. Uh, I I love you. I love you's at the end. The real Valentine's, and it's something ever. Yeah, uh, the, her hair partially obscures it. This yeah. is. It looks like the last picture of someone before they turn off dead (laughs) she's he's like standing directly above her oh it's a selfie i think oh is that what's going on i think he sent her a note and flowers and she took a selfie and like texted him and was like hey stevie thank you for the thing and then he was like i'm gonna post this on twitter show people my babe my fuck (laughs) it's so gross i told him I retweeted, of course, and then I told him, Steve, you're crazy for this one. <laughs> I think the, the the most wild thing is it's just 18 likes, two retweets out of 60,000 followers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of his followers were like, whoo, Steven. Steve, buddy. And one of those likes is yours. Well, I, I liked NRT it, okay, so and I replied. Retweets. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, Steven, buddy. So you know we're getting going on ha- on on he's Valentine's. Got a, he drew a heart on the card on the car, on the letterhead. Yep, or whoever he had do it did. Yeah, I um, love you with exclamation points. The real Valentine is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> is this? I don't think this was his wife in the show. No, let's 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 get a Google going. Oh boy! All right, we're on the fly. We're investigating. Uh, Chantel LeDuc Klubeck. Chantel LeDuc. Uh, maybe it's Winona LeDuc. Um, maybe related to... Uh, that, that's a different woman. Yeah, right? Yeah. See? I think so. Yeah. No, yes. definitely. This w- woman in his Valentine's uh, picture looks like she's maybe 21 years old. This woman is definitely not this woman. No. His wife uh, in the undercover boss i guess now his ex-wife or who knows you know maybe he's polly i don't who know knows? nobody you can't say um yeah. maybe was, this is just a good friend and he's was like, reasonably aged um for his age which is probably <laughs> what in the 50s or something yeah and this is uh this is clearly someone else mm-hmm. yes yeah, and she was wearing a gucci shirt yeah <laughs> you remember that song um gucci gucci prada what, what, how did that that's mm-hmm. cool. I, I know what you're talking about horrible song go that was from uh Krayshawn. Krayshawn. absolutely 
She did appropriation, I think. Fendi, Fendi, Gucci, Gucci, Prada. Basic bitches wear that shit, so I don't even bother. Absolutely. I guarantee yeah. you she listens to this on her yeah. iPod while she's um, running. A well, who amongst us doesn't mm-hmm. listen to that on our iPod? iPod. Yeah. <laughs> my big <laughs> ass uh, six inch iPod mm-hmm. that I have to carry in my purse. Yep. Yeah. You know, I got a little iPod shuffle too yeah. for when I want. No, no shuffles are great because you know you never know you what you're gonna get. You never know what you're gonna get. If like I want a device <laughs> that only does plays random mode, <laughs> I just want something that just fucks with me. Uh-huh. No respect for my mood or desires. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> hey, these are all the songs I like. Just you, get me. You, you can't lose. You get fired from your job. You're just numb. You get in the cab on the way home. Put in the earbuds, and it's like I'm walking on sunshine. Absolutely. You're like, great. I love no, it. No, it's, it's love music it. I like. It's, you know, that's the only category. I've got music I like and music I don't like. So later in the episode, we will have uh, some love line advice for you. Yes, we're taking questions. We're taking questions uh, against our better judgment. But before that, we heard some of you were rioting because last episode there were no hot topics. That's a Matt thing. That's on Matt. Well, you know, we, we switch it up. We switch, switch it, up. it up. Sometimes we have guests. Sometimes we have uh, topical episodes. I do some solos. You know, you get all sorts of content. That's the greatness of uh, the subscription, of the being on the Patreon. Uh, (laughs) It's the iPod shuffle of podcasts. If you're listening to this uh, six weeks after we did it uh, for free, you should get on the Patreon. Yeah, hop on. All aboard. Uh, First, uh, though, some hot topics. So uh, this week, uh, there were two incidents of Ilan Omar making headlines. First, she said, uh, so she did a couple of tweets that were understood to be ill-advised. She said that American politicians support Israel because they get lobbied by wealthy groups like AIPAC. Yes, well, that is an interpretation of what she said. This part of the confusion surrounding it. It was a little bit, she said Benjamins, baby. She said it's all about the Benjamins when someone... uh, there was a tweet that included a political article that yeah. was about how Kevin McCarty wanted to get her off of the Foreign Affairs Committee or something like that. And and then she tweeted, it's all about the Benjamins. And then someone made her clarify, like, are you saying this or that? What sh-? you know, and she's like, APAC. Like, that was the response was just like APAC, you know. And yeah. so in, in a sense, this is a very cryptic. It's, it's said- not that cryptic, but like. It lends itself to a lot of interpretation. When she said all about the Benjamins, perhaps she meant the, you know, the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, it's a she's referencing, a, you know, a rap lyric. Uh, you, well, don't, you don't know that. Very well-known rap lyric. And so then that opens up a funny question because, uh, <laughs> you know, when you're trying to interpret it. So, so people are like, this is anti-Semitic. She's doing anti-Semitism now. Um, and... A lot of whether you considered it anti-Semitic turned on how you wanted to parse this, which is sort of because on the one hand, you could say, well, uh, I don't know. Is it all about the Benjamins? It's not all right. There are other obvious considerations involved. Not all of it's money. Some of you've got this whole thing with the Christian Zionists and evangelicals. Sure, and so, yeah, yeah. So it's, it can't be all about. Can't be all about. And you're like, uh. That's true, but also it's a rap lyric. So I don't know. Maybe it doesn't lend itself to this level. Ultimately, what she was in Um, trouble for was uh, echoing a trope. Well, so that's what it sort of backed into. So some people say it's just directly untrue, right? Because 
when they asked so, right. her. Some people said it's not all idea. It's not all monetary. Well, yes. Some people have ideological commitments S- to Israel. S- some rejected the all like in a syllogistic sense. Yeah. They're like, no, not, not all. You it's know. only somewhat about the benefits. Um, but then some were like, well, when they asked her who gives money, they said she said APEC, but they don't actually give money to politicians which directly. is like technically that's, that's true yeah, you're right but then people are like well but they do send them on ten thousand dollar trips and their yeah, whole family's on yeah. trips uh so does, does that not count are we you know so it's like yeah. in the narrow specific claim isn't it true that apac gives money and then some people were like well uh uh no more than like other influence groups Okay. It's like, well, yeah, what she didn't say there, <laughs> which I thought was really bizarre because, you know, when you're looking at this, you're like, if she were to say this about other advocacy organizations, yeah. even if it was labor or guns or whatever, people would not find it particularly weird to be like, oh, yeah, money in politics, p- uh, lobbying and so on. Yeah. But then you're right. People then go back and say, okay. I don't know, maybe it's technically true yeah. or if it's technically untrue, it is true in the spirit of things that APAC provides money. Yeah. Um, it is also technically true that there is a whole other set of organizations and wealthy donors and so on for whom this is a big issue. Yeah. And they, pro- they provide money just like people provide money for all sorts of issues, you know? including labor and, incl- you know, it's yeah. a special interest is not an, is not a novel concept. Um, but they then get to the point of saying, yes, but that claim when applied to Jewish people is an anti-Semitic trope. Yeah. It, it, because people say, oh, you know, Jews run the world with their money. Right. So when you say, well, people are only supporting Israel because certain, uh, activist groups, which are largely Jewish, like APAC, uh, give money to politicians. You're you're echoing this anti-Semitic trope, kind of from the protocols of the elders of Zion. Yes. Uh, so th- she was charged with anti-Semitism for echoing a trope. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That is, I guess, the cleanest sort of way forward uh, among the splintering of it. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I don't know about that one, Chief. Well, it's just it's sort of con- it's sort of conf- it's sort of weird, right? Because. Yeah. For instance, if you were to say um, the Koch brothers donate money to all sorts of causes, including Republican politicians, because they want to promote their libertarian ideology and they want to promote the the interests of their businesses, Koch industries, not just the Koch brothers, but all sorts of rich donors and corporations and lobbyists do this kind of thing. People would not object to that. Yeah. Right. But then if you say, well, uh, Haim Saban or Sheldon Adelson both of whom are sort of on the record saying that they donate hunt, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to politicians, one for Democrats, one for Republicans, you know, Sheldon Allison's a Republican, I'm Saban's a Democrat, with this purpose in mind. Yeah. That is also true. I don't think anyone would, they, they will tell you, like Haim Saban says, I'm a single issue guy and that issue is Israel. But he just happens to be a wealthy guy, just like the Koch brothers are. They're not single issue guys, but they might as well be sort of just Republican nutcase libertarians. Yeah. Right. And you'd say, OK, how can you say the Kochs do it when the Kochs are doing it? It's that is what it is. But when Haim Spahn's doing yeah, it's it, it's completely not. different. And that's it's just sort of a weird thing because we know rich people. 
Yeah. Give money to influence politics. Yeah. We know that some rich people are Jewish. Not all. Not all. And so when they get money, it's the same thing. Right. They're lobbying. I mean, right. <laughs> it's a well-known. Uh, but, so like, I always struggle to parse this because it's one thing for you to say, there's a secret Jew, uh, cabal of Jews that are controlling the country right, and so Controlling on. all politics of all sorts. Yeah, or right. just a sort of like Rothschild conspiracy. Like, yes, that yeah. is very clear. But to be like, there are individuals and organizations who compose this thing we would call the Israel lobby, just like the Saudi lobby right, or right. whatever. Lots of different countries, uh, in fact, lobby America to oh, favor their yeah. interests because yeah, we're an economic superpower. The United Arab Emirates gives money to CAP. Gives yeah. money to Brookings. Yeah. The whole of DC is just flooded with golf money. Yeah. More so than yeah, probably. You, you see it all over the place. More so, f I would say, I mean, I don't know. I've never counted these sorts of things, but yeah. I, I cannot imagine that it is less than the, that it is uh, less than the amount of money um, that is spent on sort of like Israel. It goes lobbying. into lobbying for right. Israel. Right. Like every country yeah. is doing this. Uh, the, the embassies, uh, the Nordic embassies yeah. give money to CAP. I've looked into this and I'm like, what the hell? Why don't you give me money? Yeah, they need to be giving it to PPP. Man. But no, they don't want to give it to me. I mean, I don't. There's all sorts of credible, legitimate reasons why they wouldn't give it to me. But why the don't most, they just sign up on the Patreon? The most obvious one is they're interested in a f in foreign policy. Yeah. They're in that that's what it, the donation is for is to try to influence relations between the countries not you know oh this guy likes to promote the nordic model let's like help him it's like oh you know that's not what they're worried about they're right. interested in trade policy <laughs> or foreign policy things that would affect their economy geopolitics and that sort of thing which is you know i don't likely story be that I don't way do too much of it but it's like so what do you do about this then yeah like that is both a trope but it is also the case that since say jewish billionaires are like every other billionaire in the sense that they want to throw their money around and influence politics right including bill gates warren buffett yeah, yeah, all the sure. rest of them what do you what do you do about that like would you say well it's off limits for them you can't it's, comment it's on off it. limits not because of what you mean but because of what other people have meant when they've said similar things it's just yeah it's like well it's that's poison so whenever that happens you have to just be like mm. Just kind of be mum about it. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. I think that's goofy. That's just so goofy. And I understand there's like a, tr there's a troubling thing where someone could hide behind. Oh, well, I only say legitimately. I'm only talking about how George Soros donates to liberal causes and so on. That's all I'm doing when secretly they're doing uh, sort of dog whistling, you yeah. know, anti-Semitic dog whistling. Right. But there are also people who obviously will say something about how George Soros is donating a lot of money for this or that. And they have a like basically legitimate, credible grievance that's not based in anti-Semitism. Yeah. But just based in like, I don't like liberals. I don't like this guy because he funds a lot of them. And that's that. And, and I think that uh, if you look at Ilan Omar's place, you know, in politics, she kind of comes out of this generation of young left uh, Democrats who routinely point out the role of money in politics. In fact, transparency around money in politics and sort of destroying the lobbying power in D.C. is their thing, right? Yes. So I, this isn't out of out of line for her. This is sort of a, I mean, you know, when you think of like an organizing principle to somebody's politics, the sort of young left, the organizing principle is that sort of dark money and lobbying 
constrains democratic politics, small d, constrains the power of people in politics uh, hugely, you know, by pulling politicians one way or another. So this wasn't like, wow, that's remarkable for her to point out. No, this is like sort of a shtick, right? I mean, um, you would expect it. Yes. You know, same thing with pharma and yeah, and the, the money in politics and is part of the whole shtick. It's why we got to get rid of Citizens United. It's why we right, need right, campaign right. finance reform. It's a, it's part of the whole thing. And so you can agree or disagree with that. Certainly, people will write posts from time to time and be like, people really overstate the power of lobbyists and campaign contributions. Like you know, you'll see that. But if she's making that critique across the board, yeah, and then also applies it to this particular lobby, the Israel lobby, then I, I I just fail to see. Like, without more, I fail to see how you can say, you know, she's dog-whistling or playing into a trope or something like that, rather than just basically having a consistent money and politics type uh, critique, which may be limited, uh, but is nonetheless a common position that a lot of people hold um and of course a ton of this was especially from the right totally bad faith you know uh you know so from them obviously it's ridiculous but to the extent that there were people in sort of the i don't know left or center left or so on that were uh i don't know seeing seeing uh eye to eye on on those charges i'm i i just don't see it uh by itself you know maybe something will materialize that will make it more obvious that this was a a secret way uh uh you know taps into a latent anti-semitism but um by itself i don't i don't see it yeah i think that makes sense uh but then she turned it around man she was under attack bad things were happening she was on the ropes. People were yelling at her. She was being called an anti-Semite. Uh, the sort of familiar people on the left who are always like, yeah, the left, you know, the really they really need to, to think about it and slow their roll. You know, those kind of, you know, uh, just real, real negative Nancys who are always trying to show how serious they are by picking on prominent left politicians. They were going at her. And then uh, she went after Elliot Abrams. Absolutely. And just destroyed him. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> so so she a asked pretty him. Rough, uh, uh, pretty rough questioning. Yeah. Why should we trust you? You were convicted of lying to us yeah. in the past. And and he got really offended. And he was like, oh, let me in. She's like, that wasn't a question. You yeah. can't talk right now. And yeah. then she told him, thank you for participating, which was really funny. Um, so, yeah, that was a good is a good question. I mean, he's a really disgusting Just ghoul. totally disgusting. Why is this guy not at the Hague? The whole uh, foreign policy establishment is, is this way. I I, um, I was actually interested in foreign policy uh, when I was a teenager. <laughs> I don't know why I'm bringing this up now, but I moved off of it because it seemed uh, futile and also seemed very difficult to get credible information uh, about, whereas with economics it's a lot easier to uh like you can get credible information about stuff in foreign policy that's happened you know some time ago like many years ago so people have had a chance to go in and report and you can get things that seem more thorough and seem to yeah go through it but i kind of moved away from it because it's just like huh day to day all these reports seem really questionable um but and also because this is disgusting it's like most of the awful i mean every like left and right at least left as it existed in the mainstream like punditry when i was coming up like they were all 
wanting to do this stuff. So, you know, you could read your Noam Chomsky books or whatever, but that was pretty much, you know, <laughs> what you had as far as alternative uh, alternatives go. Though that Maybe that's changed more recently with the Internet and decentralization and more people and more voices or whatnot. But what was funny also is that there was a whole parade of people in oh the foreign policy God. world, tweet after tweet after yeah. tweet that was like, how dare you, ma'am? Elliot Abrams is a good family man. He and is my dad. Yes, he has done a mistake or two, haven't we all? Somebody from Cap was like, yeah, he made a professional mistake. Uh, in supporting the death squads that carried out a genocide in 1981 that included the murder of toddlers and the rape of little girls. We've all made professional mistakes. Yes. Uh, Those um, were American-trained death squads and American-equipped, by the way. But we've all made such mistakes in our lives. Whom's amongst us? I worked for Elliot Abrams as a civil servant. He is a fierce advocate for human rights and democracy. Yes, he made serious professional mistakes and was held accountable. I'm a liberal, but I'm also fair. We all have a lot of work to do together in Venezuela. We share goals. <laughs> oh. And uh, I tweeted that, and I also tweeted another one from January that I remember because this is the only other time I noticed this person when she tweeted that yeah. neocons is an anti-Semitic term, yeah. neoconservatives. Yeah. Uh, so real brain genius. She actually tw- deleted that tweet, um, and then I thought it was funny as well. So not only is she said saying neocons is anti-Semitic, not only did she join all... 45 natsec tweeter dipshits and doing an elliot abrams tribute tweet to yeah. clap back against omar but then whenever uh people were like hey this tweet sucks actually omar uh, was right and abrams is like shitty um she uh <laughs> she started doing her like victimization stuff on there yeah 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 <laughs> How dare you guys? Here come the liberals strapping on their leftist jack boots. She goes, deleted my previous tweet. This is Kelly Magsman at yeah. Cap, um, VP of Cap Security. Cap has like 45 VPs, so you never really know what uh, what that means or how significant it is. That seems to just be like a, a pay threshold. Um, but deleted my previous tweet, which people understandably felt was glossing over horrific incidents in history, which was definitely not my intent. I stand by the fact that Ellie Abrams is not the caricature many believe, but I apologize for what I can see caused hurt. And then she continues, strongly disagree with me, but don't call me a stupid bitch, war criminal, or ghoul. The last one is a new one. Yeah, I I actually get that all the time. It's a very old one. (laughs) <laughs> ghoul is misspelled but yeah, ma- you know well, quite possibly know. it was misspelled that was probably to her them. <laughs> uh, but yeah so now so now you get the <sighs> performance of oh uh, you know i'm i'm actually the one being harmed here actually me and elliot abrams we're the one that's being harmed here um not uh uh latin american uh not latin american youths who are being raped and slaughtered and that they're gearing up possibly to do more of in Venezuela going forward. Mm. Um, but, but good for Omar. Uh, uh, certainly on the second uh, bit, um, you know, 
Yeah, good for her. She held it together, and she proved uh, that what you got to do to survive a situation like this is never apologize, well, never back down and tweet through she it. She did apologize. I think that was a mistake, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, she did tweet through it. She posted through it. She didn't go underground. Yeah, she continued. She, she came back the next day and thing. hit Elliot Abrams hard. Um, but, you yes, know. I would say if, if I were consulting, I would say do not ever apologize. Don't ever apologize. Oh, uh, something on this where here's, it's, like, vague and someone's like, well, there's a trope. Don't you know? It's like, look, get the hell out of here, man. When you are in an Internet pylon that is in bad faith, that is based on bullshit, the whole point is to get you to say uncle. That's it. It's to never do it. It's to demonstrate power over you to dominate you and make you do something you don't want to do. That's the whole point of an Internet pylon. Make you take something back or apologize or admit you were wrong. And when they're bullshit and they're in bad faith like this, never apologize. I don't do it. I don't, don't apologize. Do you can you can take that to the bank. I'm sure the longtime followers. <laughs> I mean, occasionally I will feel objectively sorry about something and I might apologize then. But not stupid shit if like this. If it's bad faith oh. and they're just trying to get you to get you to fold, don't do it. I mean, I get this from time to time. You know, I'll tell like a provocative joke or whatever to try to like get people mad. And then, the you know, there'll be all these denunciations and so on. And I'm just like, you guys are fucking <laughs> stupid. Like, <laughs> can I do a joke on here, guys? Chill out. I know you got your little anger device in your hand, yeah. but like, relax. I know you, you got to show all your friends that you're on top of things. <laughs> so <clears throat> don't do it. Uh, and Trump's declaring a state of emergency. Do you care about that? Mm, is he really? Or is it we're still in this? Oh, he's going to. I think we're still in the threat stage. Okay, well, they've been doing that forever. So. Sarah Sanders posted a, uh, a screenshot of her notes app. Okay, and yeah. That's where the statement was. And she was like, yeah, yeah, he might be signing this thing to avert another shutdown, but he can and will declare a state of emergency to build the wall, protect the border. All right, I mean, whatever. Well, wait, wait till I see it, I guess, yeah. is sort of my position. It's all you can do with them. It's, it's an ongoing hoax, basically. I feel like he's just struggling because yeah. he's not going to be able to get this done through any legislative means because the Democrats control the House and, you know, he's already shown that he's going to fold. And but he's got all his MAGA chudge just, you know, wanting this was their big thing. And so, you know, what else can he do? But what just sort of I'm going to declare martial law or something, you know. <laughs> OK, so. All right. Good luck building that Death Star. Uh, so here we are uh, for our Valentine's Day special. Uh, we're going to be answering your questions and, uh, and giving advice. Uh, I unfortunately forgot to specify in the, in the tweet call out that it was more of an advice thing. So it's just sort of more of a trivia thing. Uh, but there are some advice questions in here. All right. Well, you know, trivia could be interesting, too, I guess. Yeah. Just, you know, you, you, you have a good eye and uh, you can curate. So go ahead. Uh, who would be your dream historical double date? Good Lord. Okay. All right. Well, I thought it was fair. Well, what do you want to do? What do you, what's your double date? Uh, uh, you already saw this question. So what, what's I, I'm, the, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> Um, you curated this question and never <laughs> formed an opinion on it. I've never even seen it. Uh, um, All right, we'll move on. Move on. Okay. We can't it can't uh, be like 20 know, seconds of that air. Can't be doing that. Uh, uh, 
book and reading recommendations from each of you on love and relationships? Nothing. I've I don't never have read anything. a book about relationships. No. That's a good question. The ultimate book on love is, of course, con- the, uh, the Confessions by Augustine. Okay. Truly transcendent love. There you go. Um, there you go. Yeah. The Symposium also. Uh, you know, get your Plato in there, read your Diodema. That's love. That's true love. Uh, I think it might be Diotima, actually. You never know. A lot of, a lot of these tough words, when you only read them and you never hear them said. Mm, that's the curse of autodidactism. All right. How do you adjudicate fault when the fitted sheet pops off the corner of the mattress? Whose fault is that? Uh, it does happen. It does happen I've occasionally. Happen. You know, I actually have not been motivated to. I've never tried to assign to think fault. about fault on that. <laughs> I've um, just been like, that's an annoying problem. I don't think it's any. I I mean, th- I can tell you that the huge, disgusting stain on the middle of the mattress is from Jane. Yes. Yeah. I mean, sh- yeah. She's just, just she's just, the me- most. Uh, she's the bedtime most menace. blameworthy figure in the bed at this moment. Yeah. Um. When did you decide to merge your finances and what issues, risks, or doubts have you had about it since doing so? I can say for me, it always made a lot of sense. Oh, boy. I don't know if it made a lot of sense for you. No, I I did it as a matter of uh, I never thought too much about it. Uh, I mean, when we got married, Liz was was going into grad school at Brown. I was starting uh, as a lawyer at the NLRB. So how is this going to work? I mean, she had a stipend, I guess, but was that going to be able to cover everything? Like we didn't have finances in a normal sense because neither of us had any assets. My net yeah. worth was negative. <laughs> Your net worth was zero. zero, or I guess probably technically negative yeah. um, given the student debt. Um, Little bits and pieces. So um, there were no assets to worry about. The income going forward was going to need it to be shared anyways it seemed easier to me to consolidate and just have one account um i I don't even know conceptually what it would mean to separate i mean you would have to because so many expenses are common yeah it's like what 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 does it mean to like we got married really young as well i was 23 like if you have a rent well, you pay some and I pay some. What do we, no, <laughs> I no. guess, we'll, or, or well, I'll pay the whole rent and you'll cover this other bill or something. Yeah. It's like, you've got to negotiate all that. Uh, I guess it all, I never really thought about it either. It always just seemed obvious to me, um, you know, that that's what you did. And that, that's what I felt comfortable doing. I certainly felt comfortable with your money management skills, much more so than with my own. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, I think I've read some of these, these pieces about, you know, separating money and that sort of thing and i actually think there's a confusion in a lot of them because they they're presented as if uh oh well it's important to have separate accounts because and usually the problem that they cite is not really that well uh you know you need to have separate accounts so that each person is incentivized to earn income or something like that the problem really is that a person is consuming sort of uh in a in a careless way in a in a in a way that is uh not taking into account the preferences of their partner or whatever yeah. right there's a sort of negligent consumption or uh i don't know what you would call that and 
that to me doesn't seem to have anything to do with like what this is my income and what i pay and your income and what you pay yeah it's more like you guys need to manage the spending side better and maybe it's a situation where you're like well it's just hard because the person you know then you could create a separate account just for them to spend yeah so you could be like hey uh, at the beginning of each month all our income goes into the same pot we're not we're not going to make it to where because I have a higher income, I get to spend more than you do. No, that no, seems no. sick. Yeah. But all the income will go in the okay. same pot, but then we'll allocate to your separate account, you know, a few, you know, f- few hundred dollars or whatever. And that's what you have to spend, you know, on your miscellaneous things, if you will. And if like that's the issue, then they can just track that account and then they won't overspend. You know what I mean? Yeah. But more generally, I think like, the problems people have uh, seem to be related to them not budgeting and them not communicating and collaborating on what they feel comfortable spending. Yeah. And, you know, you could fix that, yeah. <laughs> I feel like. And, that's and like that's more of a marriage problem than strictly a money problem. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it just always seemed kind of, obvious I, I know some people talk about not doing that for sort of feminist reasons um but i could always tell that you were the one who was going to get screwed because you don't spend money on anything yes uh, it was it, in your interest it was i guess in my best interest uh, all i want to do is save 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 Matt wants to save money and have exactly 17 possessions he can fit into a large plastic tub Yes, that's how I lived before we were married. He lived um, in a purple closet in Alston Brighton in law school where he slept literally on a camping pad and did not have a bed. Yes, it was a luxury camping pad. You call it I think it it's that. important to emphasize it, that. It, that's what it said on the package. I don't call not, it that. It was not a luxurious it, item. It, it got passed FTC. They didn't object to the branding okay. of it as luxury. Okay. Um, so obviously it was. It was like um, a thick piece of cardboard maybe. No, it was padded and then you could also blow it up um so you got a little extra it padding. was t- um, total dog shit uh it was awful the situation in hindsight in. i should have gone for maybe a better air mattress or something like that but i wanted it to be small you could only um, lay in one direction in that room you could not yes, have, that's right you could not have fully laid out uh lengthwise on the floor in both directions because it was like it was like a little closet basically it was like a narrow Yes, but there was also a closet in the room. Um, Yeah, you call it that. It was painted purple, and the floor was slanted. The house was slanted. The house was not not level. Um, That was just, you know, anyway. That's a little bit separate from the issue of the possessions. It was obviously always going to be in my my best interest because Matt won't spend money at all on himself. Yes, yes. You know, so, you know, it's a struggle. You got to balance... Some people want to consume. Maybe both people want to consume or some people want to save and you got to strike the balance and, uh, you know, it's a constant, it's a constant sort of thing. And hopefully, you know, you just got to get participation in it. I feel like that's really the key. That's right. That's right. Communication. Communication. If you don't like it, I don't know. Hopefully the person is like open to chatting and, you know, and you could just sit down and say, all right, look. Take an inventory yeah. of what we got, what we're trying to do. You want you want to retire, you want a school, you want you know, this is what we gotta do. Set out the budget and so on. I mean, and if a person will just ignore that, then you got much 
per, you perhaps have much deeper problems. How has having Jane together and another baby on the way changed the relationship you have with each other? I think well, it, I think it's like made it better. Yes. Well, I guess it depends on. I mean, children take up a lot of time. Yeah. That's the the relationship stressor is time. Mm-hmm. I think I read that on average children, if you're working or whatever, you spend about 40 hours a week on the kid. That's including the weekend. Yeah. So like imagine you don't have kids and now you do have a kid or multiple kids and like 40 of your free hours are just gone. Yeah. Especially when they're young because they can't, you can't like send them off to the room and oh, go watch TV or. Yeah. yeah you, you really got to um, hang in there with them. So for like for that period, which we're not out of, even in our first kid, you know, a lot of hours just get sucked out. And so that can be difficult because you don't talk as much or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. We never really like partied and stuff before. So it wasn't like we were missing out on that. No, there was no social consequence. In fact, uh, in a kind of a kind of interesting way, because we uh, had kids uh, at the uh, average age of having kids in America. Yeah. Uh, but what that means is way ahead of where uh, affluent, uh, you know, uh, people with law school and grad school <laughs> degrees have them, um, which seems to be like in the early to mid 30s. Yeah. Uh, we had it in the mid 20s, yeah. which is when normal, not normal, but that's like the average age yeah. in the U.S. Um, but because of that disconnect, I, we don't have any friends our age that have kids. Well, well we have one now. Who? Right. Well, I don't want to put say their name on the podcast, but Give me a hint. Y- you you know who they are. The uh, Jane's godparents. Yes. Okay. Well, so we know lots of Catholics our age who have. So there are two friend uh, groups basically. Okay. There are the young DC Catholics, and they their kids all over the place in that cohort. But and the, but then there they don't come the, over though. Well, because they have kids. <laughs> well, anyways, my point was that we have a lot of people who, who are able to come over to the house right. and that they do come over to the house frequently. And so in some ways, I feel like we have more social life now than we used to. Well, because and also that, yeah, and having Jane inspired us to get a slightly bigger place. I and mean, It has a dining room. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the, ho- the, 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 the apartment unit that we're in is nicer than it used to be. So that might make us a more attractive place to do gatherings. Like we're, we're able to have people over for dinner and stuff because we have a table. Used to, we didn't have it. We didn't even have a table. True. We just sat on the couch to eat. Uh, so in some ways, having Jane, you know, kind of inspired us to get our shit together in a way that allowed us to be better at <laughs> entertaining. Um, in ter- but in terms of like the relationship with, with each other, I don't know. I mean, Jane, um, she like mellowed me out quite a bit. Okay. I think like, I mean, that's my perception. I'm, I worried a lot. I worry a lot. I have a lot of anxieties and yeah, fears. That's true. Um, and, but like having a kid, you displace a lot of that onto just like the, the energy is spent just dealing with them on a daily basis. She just, she just exhausts you. Like, you know, you, like, you know what I mean? But like, you can't sit around worrying about, you know, am I going to get obliterated in a nuclear Holocaust? And that's taking up all of my concern. Because, or like, I used to especially worry that like my bosses hated me all the time. But like, once you've got to like, you know, get her up and dressed and on her way and like play with her and, 
make sure that she's meeting all her milestones and help her learn to use the bathroom and all that stuff. It's like by the end of the day, whether or not my boss hates me is at the bottom of my priority list. Like I, I just have other shit going on that I have to deal with. That's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, occupies your time and your mental space. There's yeah. less idleness and with your idleness, the way you deal with idleness it's at least it is fills up with you worry. Start, yeah. Just, I would say I'm slightly the opposite perhaps, but, but not in any (laughs) significant sense. Uh, because when I'm, uh, with Jane, I do worry a little bit more because like, you know, you do have to care for them. Like there's a sort of sense of duty when I was on my, and it's the same thing with, with, with you. When I was a single adult, I really couldn't really care a whole lot about, I didn't, I didn't have really any worries because yeah, it's like, whatever, if something really bad happened and even if I like, I don't know, like <laughs> I grew up, uh, poor, like I, you knew you could take care of yourself. I could handle it, whatever came, yeah. or at least I felt that I could, you know, and it's just yeah. yourself. And it's like, whatever, if I'm suffering, I'm suffering, whatever, like this, that I was sleeping in a, a room that would uh, would be the rock bottom for most people. You had a long haul um, trucker backup plan. Uh, I could always be a trucker, get a CDL. Um, you know, there's all sorts of options. I could have gone back to to Texas probably and gotten a forklift job with your uh, dad. Yeah. Uh, you know, potentially. So and, I don't know. I just I didn't really care that much. Were like heartbreaking to you. You were like, sure, yeah. I've lived that way before. Like when I was graduating college, uh, undergrad, before I went to law school, I was kind of like, hmm, I don't know, who knows? I might probably just just uh, fold back into just get a normal job, you know. <laughs> it just, was very, it was like uh, that for a while. So like you, you didn't, you didn't worry about like a precipitous decline. No, and I don't need income. I don't spend yeah. anything. So what do I care? I was always worried about um, status, you know, because my parents had really high expectations and. Yeah, yeah. I, I so, had those kind of middle class. Yeah, that's concerns. an issue. It's like, well, I don't want to be worse than my parents or yeah, something. Everybody, they'll be embarrassed. They'll be embarrassed, but like, I don't really. The fact that I even went and graduated college was enough yeah. <laughs> to get past any of that. Uh, so, but then you have other people, and then you're like, it oh, changes the game. Significantly. I have to be worried about this person's well-being, and if if something happens to me, uh, if I get fired, <laughs> that doesn't just impact me; it impacts someone else, and now it impacts a kid who's even yeah. it's an even worse situation. Totally innocent. Uh, yeah. And so that that raises the anxiety a little bit, but I don't really think about it that much. I also felt like Jane helped me get offline somewhat. I used to get very worried about stuff that was going, you know, people being mean on Twitter or whatever, getting canceled. But like at the end of the day, now it's like, okay, there are anonymous college students who are pissed at me on Twitter, but I got to help this person take a bath. Yes. Well, there are, there (laughs) are, uh, she creates mandatory breaks. Yeah. Whereas before there's not that you would have to have uh, the willpower, not just you. It's the same for me to be like, all right, I need to get off this. And like, I could do that, I would say, a decent amount of times, mainly because I like to go walk. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I always find, oh, just close the computer, go walk. It really just washes away because you're like, okay, it's like so irrelevant, it's meaningless. Um, but other times, no, it's like well, on the computer, there's no yeah, reason. Yeah. But We're if like, the kid needs myself. you, and you, then you got to get off, and yeah. then you forget about it. And then also you just... I guess puts it in perspective to some it degree. It puts it in perspective. Like, and I think that, that like uh, just kind of helped me become more adult in a lot of ways. Um, and 
I think probably for a lot of people in society, the experience of becoming adult comes from having a child. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. You know, I think a, a lot, you, you see people in our generation who are like, I'm adulting, I'm becoming an adult because it's kind of like a, it's just kind of a formless, shapeless thing. It's like this, there's nothing that really forces it if you're in certain, especially creative, you know, professions, moving from college to grad school to professional life and you, you don't have kids and you're not married yet, you know, the onus is kind of all on you to develop those habits of mind and personality that are forced on people when they otherwise, when they have kids, basically. Yeah, that's true. Uh, single, um, single sort of young professional life is not meaningfully distinguishable from uh, college life. Uh, I mean, I guess d depending, you know, maybe less partying or something, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but it feels very similar. Uh, you know, you, you, you just as you would get up and go to class, yeah. uh, but then you'd come home and you're often living with roommates, just like you lived with sure. roommates uh, in college and doing the same stuff on the weekends, dating around and, you know, trying to find cool stuff to do to meet cool people. Yeah. And like yeah. Similar thing. But like when you have kids, I mean, if you were not, I mean, I, I well, you have to yeah. get on a, for one thing, sleep, you, you can't get, stay you up late. You gotta get it where you can. You right, gotta so. go to sleep at, you know, 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock because the kid's going to get up and you got to be ready when the kid gets up. And if you wait yeah. too long, you're going to be dead the tired. The kid will drag you out of bed. So you have to get on the old person's sleep yeah. schedule. There's no way out of it. And that that also rescues you from a lot of kind of the hazards of social media. Uh, just having yeah. to go to bed. At well, you get off of late night you know, Twitter, that's for out. sure. But uh, I think that that all, you know, in terms of how we relate to each other, I hope it's made me a kind of a mellower... Uh, more chill partner for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. Although you never express problems with me to begin with, but um, I feel like it's made me more like you in some ways, and that I've become a little mellower. Yeah, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought too much about it. I don't like. Matt, Matt I don't. I don't on these surveil <laughs> or <laughs> monitor your <laughs> development over yeah. time or something <laughs> like that, but. But yeah, I mean, in general, I feel like over time you've become less uh, high le strong, yeah, high strong, I guess. But it's just like worry and like things sort of, I don't know, I, I would s you might think sort of like uh, inventing uh, catastrophes or something. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a no, too no, no, extreme that's definitely way to what put it. it felt like, yeah. you know, it's really catastrophizing thinking and. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired. Oh, my God, the people online. Oh, my God. And it's like. And then you have uh, a kid and, and you're, you're just partially like, kind of like, uh, you know, actually, that doesn't matter. Like, I what do you have do? time? I don't care. But over time, I do. Th even before the kid, a lot of those had started to uh, had faded a little bit. And the kid may be accelerated at it yeah. to some degree. Um, you're like, oh, look, someone's canceling me. Hit X. Put baby in bath. Who cares? Who I, gives a shit? <laughs> I noted with the canceling, like. Well, <laughs> so one, you can sort of intellectually recognize that, well, wait a minute, I have 120,000 followers and uh, apparently I'm canceled because 50 people don't <laughs> like me. Yeah. And like, but Twitter tricks you because it f all shows up in your mentions tab and you start to think like 
Like it's sort of a, this is not like how human beings evolved. (laughs) Human beings did not evolve to have like 50 people. Like if 50 people were mad at you in real life in like the era of evolutionary development or whatever, that was a really bad situation. (laughs) But now it's totally meaningless. Um, But then I also have this other indicator that I use where I'm like, let's go check the Patreons. (laughs) You you, you do it completely numerically. You're like, well, it looks like the Patreons are totally unaffected. So, it seems like this cancellation is uh, completely pointless and, and like, uh, the way that i've learned to cope with it is i'm like look people are mad at me online am i actually a bad person like no i'm managing my life quietly i'm not hurting anyone i'm taking care of my kid and i'm keeping the you know my life in order i'm taking care of myself and like i know that no matter how bad online people think i am i'm actually not hurting anyone and I just need to focus on real life. Yes, internal motivation is key, and I think and I, like, I think I've had that for the most h- part. Helps significantly with that. I think. Um, yeah, and and then also intellect. The sort of internal. Uh, I feel like I've have generally had a pretty strong sort of internal sense of like what's right and what's wrong, and and if other people disagree, well, they're wrong, and yeah, to hell with them. Notice that about you. Um, but then separate from that intellectual recognition that well actually this is actually a pretty small number of people especially relative to the number of people who follow me it doesn't seem to have any effect it fades literally within a day (laughs) and you just sort of get over that and i don't know it's sort of uh it's a bad thing i guess that twitter is designed to uh to really uh uh, play on that but it is ultimately uh not real you don't have to deal with it Next question. My wife and I are trying to decide whether to have babies and keep running into the specter of global ecological collapse. I'm curious about how Matt's and your anxieties around this issue influence you as parents. Well, uh, so I actually, I mean, you've made this point before, but, you know, I mean, what's the point of... (laughs) What's the point of uh, what's the point of averting climate catastrophe if there's no children left to yeah. enjoy the climate? I mean, yeah. if you're not going to have kids, then who even cares about climate? The climate's only an issue because you have kids. Yeah. So I think that's right. And I, I, so there's a sort of performative, like inherent contradiction there. That might be a little bit too cutesy an answer, but um, that's sort of my first intuition every time someone raises the point. Um, but, you know, separate from that, it's like, you know, hey, uh, uh, we have chance to avert it realistically in a worst case scenario. It's it's not like, well, I don't know, in a super worst case scenario, you get human extinction or something like that. But yeah. the, the likely outcome is not that. And, you know, Into I mean, every generation comes some catastrophe. You know, and you look back in the Middle Ages, they went through the Black Death and then there were the Hundred Years War. And then you even in the modern era, you know, men fought in World War One and thought I fought in the war to end all wars. And then their sons went to World War Two. Right. You know, so I mean, like there's uh, all kinds of crises that happen in the world that are legitimate and big and awful. And, um, you know, any of those, the threat of war or the threat of famine or the threat of ecological collapse, all of these can justifiably put you off of it. But in, in all of those situations, people have also persevered. Yeah. Or nukes. You could have said, hey, the proliferation of nukes is such that probabilistically one might yeah. uh, go off and set off. A, you know, there are all sorts of existential crises. There's a, there's a whole thing in like effective altruism. Yeah. yeah. That's like 
dedicated to existential crises and but there are um, you know i always uh i i know matt hasn't read lord of the rings or even watched all the movies i don't think i haven't watched any movies uh, okay well you know there are uh you know there's the great speech that gandalf gives to frodo frodo says i i wish none of this had ever happened to me i wish the ring had never come to me and gandalf is very sympathetic and he says you know so do all who live in times like these but that's not given to us to decide all we have to decide is what we do with the times that are given to us and there are other forces at work in the world besides the will of evil. And so there are always these catastrophes that happen in every generation, but there are other forces at work in the world as well besides those. Right. Another thing here is, I think... I it see, that really affected you. <laughs> You're like, yeah, whatever. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's very artistic. Thank um, you. The thing also, I think, there gets into interesting sort of questions about how do you evaluate a life? Yeah. Or whatever, like, I mean, everyone dies <laughs> like, yeah. at the end of the day. No one is in, no one lasts forever. So how do you even evaluate a life? Like, let's say you got really bad catastrophe type outcome, like at the end. Yeah. Well, it's still the case that, you know, for her first, for our kids first 50 years of life or whatever, they got to live that life yeah and like hopefully it's a good life and you know on average we hope human lives are good and enjoyable but like she had a childhood she had a early adulthood she had her own kids possibly probably she she experienced all those things and she will have eternal life in the kingdom of god and the thing she didn't experience was old age which you know i mean of all the things to give up She'll is go to heaven is probably the best best one um, in the kingdom of the lord but it's like there's that this you still had a life if it was yeah. cu- even if it was cut short and indeed an eternal life right well but that's a yeah so yeah I see what you mean. It, you know, some you gotta, happiness, some joy. You got to count it in terms of life years. Yeah. Not like, oh, well, will she experience something real bad down the line? It's like, yeah, but she had 50 good life years, one bad life year <laughs> when she died. Um, you know, that's still a good track record, hopefully. Or maybe not all 50 of the other ones were good. There might have been some bad years there as well. But, like, you got to think about it like that, I think. If you were tr- trying to be super analytic about it, I think that's how you would you would do it. Like... She's having a really good time right now. Yeah, she's really happy. So, someone, uh, a couple more. I'm interested in navigating autistic, not autistic angle. That's challenging me. I don't know. I don't know. So I what are the difficulties of being in a on a mixed marriage, autism, non autism? Well, that's more of a you question, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, you also have to deal with someone who you don't really understand. Yeah, but that's everyone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you have to deal with those people every day. Yeah. I don't really I don't have any problem with it. Um I mean Matt is honest all the time. Uh is not a, a not a not, you know, a deceptive game player. You know, I mean not not manipulative or anything like that. Um 100% honest, very transparent. Um Total integrity will go down with the ship. Um, <laughs> absolutely, will face God and walk backwards into hell. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, just a. Uh, I don't. I. I think it's overall. I think you know one of the things when I was thinking about this today, but when you see media, mainstream media with with characters who have autism, they all have the same personality. 
Okay. You know what I mean? Like they're all like kind of nervous, frantic, uh, super earnest, and, and you know, in some weird way, kind of humorless characters who are basically totally characterized by whatever their autism hobby is. Mm-hmm. But that's not how real autistic people are. Real autistic people have autism and then they have personalities. They're all different. Sure, yeah. Right? We have friends who have autism and you're different than they are. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm s- semi-plugged into the DC autism community, I suppose. All, all autistic people have different personalities. That's true. They are all different than the like five of them I know. And so, I mean, yeah, you're all very different guys. I think I know all of them that you're talking about. Uh-huh. Some of them are also at publications and write on policy, <laughs> at least two of them. And uh, But you're very different people. And I mean, you have some things in common. Uh, but I mean, ultimately, you're, the fact that you have autism, it, it doesn't fully define you. You also just are you. You're an easygoing. I don't think about it very much. I don't reflect on on that. I have it very no, no. often. No, I mean, no. You're, you're an easygoing, <laughs> calm guy. You're very reliable. Um, you're obviously strong-willed, and you're very independent-minded, and you have these incredible commitments to sort of justice and equality, and that's just you, right? I mean, that's that's not autism. That's just who you are. And I think that that is sort of the greater part of the marriage than these kind of other traits. For me, anyway. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear, I suppose. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think about, uh, well, this particular problem I'm having, it's because you're not autistic. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's the nature of uh, of pathology uh, in the, the way we think about it is... Yeah. Uh, well, that person's normal, so we don't think of like, oh, well, if you were autistic, you wouldn't, you would be better at this. <laughs> we only think about the things that autistic people are worse at. Yeah, that's right. Um, Although you do sometimes say that uh, if people had more autism, things would be better. Yes, this is my theory of libertarians. Um, oh my God. Libertarians are a little autistic and like, that's a really bad place to be. And I feel like you've got to be full blown autistic and then you become a socialist. <laughs> if you're a little bit, you wind up in this really stupid thing where you're like, oh, what if everything was voluntary? <laughs> and you're like, oh, God, am I, you know, nothing. It's not, it's not like, what are you talking about? Property is theft. Like read the fucking book, man. Like, um, follow the args. Yeah, they don't follow the args, but this is key, right? And this is not just like a jokey thing. I mean, it is 90% jokey, but you have to... The thing about the the tism, if it's working well, is you're able to discard, for the most (laughs) part, social assumptions, socially packed in information, you know, kind of start from nothing, you know, in in a Descartes... Uh, you know, sort of way. I am a transparent eyeball, Matt said the other day. Yeah, that's a th- that's a, th- a throw thing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you start, you know, from this sort of Cartesian nothingness, and and uh, regular people they start with, you know, they're eighty percent filled up with just whatever is the case of their society. So if you kind of take from that a sort of Gramscian and you inject into it a kind of Gramscian notion of cultural hegemony, right? That people are in, in a given culture, the hegemonic notions of property and justice and morality and so on are driven by the, you know, economy of, uh, of the time. Then that means that everyone has drilled into their head, certain capitalist assumptions. Yeah. And libertarians just sort of swallow those assumptions and then start constructing rationally from there. 
right? Yeah. The building blocks of their arguments is the entire capitalist hegemony and yeah. everything it tells you about that's my property and that's my income and taxes. Yeah. And then they go from there and they, and, and, and they build. Yeah. Through, and then and then other people are like, wow, that's really logical and rational. They're really deducing that. Wait a minute. If that's my property and that's my labor, then doesn't that mean taxes are theft and therefore and so on and so forth? Yeah. But that's all built on a layer of bullshit because property is a social construct. It's a political construct. It's distributed through laws. It's not yours in a deep way. It, who it belongs to is a function of the political and economic institutions. The political and economic institutions don't intrude upon who it belongs to in some kind of pre-political sense, and we could go on and on there. And so, you know, it, it uses sort of this sort of autistic logic and reasons but it's a mere it's a mere patina of autistic logic and reason. yeah but they're there's there's still not enough to shed the whole edifice and be like no that's bullshit undertism property is actually theft the whole premise the whole premise of everything we talk about with regards to redistribution and transfers <laughs> and so the whole thing is wrong that requires the tism or, you know, if you could just read, you could also just read books and kind of figure it out. I feel like you don't have to be autistic to figure it out. Yeah. But last, uh, last question or maybe second to last here. Yeah, this will be the last one because we're, we're up over an hour. Okay. So. Extra long cast here. How do you navigate height differences in a relationship? Matt used to elbow me in the face a lot. At very first when we were just got together. I yeah I did hit you in the face a few times with my elbow because <laughs> I w that's um, about the height I'm at when you're walking. <laughs> yeah, so I did have to adjust to that, but I I stopped like I was did, able yeah, to adjust to that. Now you're very uh, you're very aware of where I am around you. I don't think about it consciously, but I have managed to it's modify like, yeah. the way I move my body so that I don't hit you with my elbow when it's I like, like when turn. You have a little dog or cat living in the house, and you just slowly get used to like weaving around them. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> or it's the same thing with the the kid to some degree. Yeah, you know, yeah. She moves in certain ways, and yeah. you don't want to hurt her, but you also don't want her to hurt you. You gotta you. protect yourself. <laughs> so you she gotta will worry. You. Yeah, and you're like, oh, she moves. I right hear her head's gonna hit me, and she does that quite often. So like, I'm gonna sort of anticipate <laughs> that and like move my body because yeah. I know what's about to happen. And like, it's the same thing uh, with with you i guess and uh, also i try I try i try to talk to you when you're behind me but i'm very small and you're also oh, somehow you've not managed to solve that problem <laughs> i feel like you're less you're less adaptable to some degree which is weird given the autism not autism thing but like yeah no we're walking down the street and she's you know three feet in front of me and this is not i i would say not even mostly a height thing it is like an un, a, not a recognition that like the way sound <laughs> works is you have to point your face <laughs> towards my ear because when you speak this you know the sound waves and they hit my ear so she just walks in front of me po and pointing forward just talks just talks out and it's like well you're no just the sound waves are going in the wrong direction and like maybe if you were taller it would be better but like still fundamentally you got to point you got to point the mouth w towards the ear. That's a really key. It's <laughs> a key thing. And <laughs> when will this marriage ever learn to live in God? I <laughs> just one day it'll have to happen. Uh, as we wind down, goodbye to a real one, Lyndon LaRouge. Oh man, rip to a real one. Rest in power, good buddy. See you, man. I'm gonna 
do the thing. Okay, I've memorized okay. this commercial, I think, <laughs> for the most part. You, you did, yeah. A long time ago. Mondale is not simply a KGB agent in the ordinary sense, of course. Mondale is jointly owned by the left wing of the Socialist International and the Green Cartel interests. If both those owners told Mondale to lick the floor before a nationwide TV audience, I sincerely believe he would do just that. Watch Lyndon LaRouche, the presidential <laughs> debates. There'll never be another one like you, man. I'll see you on the flip side. Unbelievable. Twitter brain poisoning in the 80s. Before it was, I mean, uh, he, he achieved levels of brain poisoning heretofore unto known to man, really. Incredible. And I love, I mean, I know we're gonna, it's a little long, but, you know, the people, they love the content. <laughs> so I'm going to go with it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he just drops, I mean, this is a, uh, what I just read from you was an ad he ran. That was totally from memory, in the by New the way. Hampshire, pro- I've watched it thousands of times. Unbe- I go back to it all the time. He ran this ad in the New Hampshire primary. He was running uh, in the Democratic primary to be the Democratic nominee. So he was running in the New Hampshire primary, and it was an ad to watch him in a debate, okay? 30-second ad. He's just sitting on a couch. It looks horrible. Like, he looks like he's in some sort of salon, like like a grandpa salon. And he, it just, the camera just pops on, and he goes... Mondale is not simply a KGB agent in the ordinary sense, of course. <laughs> he doesn't say Walter Mondale. No, just get you right no, to it, buddy. Like maybe people, I, hopefully people know who you're talking about with Mondale. Um, but then KGB agent. Yeah. But then also it's like sense. not merely, not simply in, a, in the ordinary sense, of course. There are plenty of KGB agents in politics. Like, uh, come on. I'm not saying he's a KGB agent in that sense. Yeah. But like, well, and what's you never even said he was a KGB agent before the sentence. <laughs> you never like you didn't you weren't no, like uh, Mondo's a KGB agent. And then someone was like, come on, you don't really mean that. And then you were like, well, not in the ordinary sense. Of course, there was no dialectic <laughs> like that. You just came in <laughs> and said he's not a KGB agent. No one was saying he was a KGB agent. He just comes in hot and takes out a camera. Nobody <laughs> was asserting this. <laughs> so who, who are you? Who are you responding to or what are you uh, why are you sort of hedging on whether he's a KGB agent and in what sense that's true? And then you also don't then elaborate on what sense he is a KGB agent. Yeah. You then switch to saying he's owned by the left wing of the Socialist International. The Socialist International basically at this point an irrelevant sort of old people's club for like like European socialists who like to go to conferences and shit. And then the grain cartel interest, <laughs> which you know, if you if you know if you know Lyndon Larouche broader mythology yeah. is, you know, the grain cartel is trying to control the food supply to promote a depopulation agenda. They're going to starve yeah. society back down to only a few hundred million people instead of the billions we have. The grain cartel, obviously, on some level, is controlled by the Queen of England. Uh, which is <laughs> one, him. one of the big she did which is kind of uh, funny but but it's like if i'm in new hampshire and i see this <laughs> like what is the th- what are you doing what is the reasoning oh yeah let's say mondale's not a kgb agent in the ordinary sense of course he's owned by left wing of socialist international and grain cartel interests 
He basically tweeted at the people of New Hampshire long before Twitter Who, existed. What are the grain cartel interests? <laughs> what is the Socialist International? Most people would have never even heard of that. Not simply a KGB. S- the left wing of the, the Socialist International. The left wing. It's, it's getting no, very not niche. The not, the, not the yeah uh, Social Democrats or whatever. No, We're no. talking about the, the communists, basically. Um, <laughs> what? on earth and then it's just like he'll lick the floor if they tell him to like that's interesting i guess it's sort of a uh <laughs> a, a colorful way to say that they, own, they him. own him but like in what sense do they own him what do they want from him what is it that they're having him do um it's just completely <laughs> crazy baffling and he just looks like a normal old man like he would just be like yep that's a politician that's a normal politician and and he's got somehow has money to shoot a, a camera to shoot a commercial to get the commercial we're talking in the 80s so he's got to like figure out oh i got to go to the local abc affiliate like there's a level of coordination here that someone who is that insane should not be capable of doing um but he did it and he did it all before the internet on without the internet right anyone could throw up a website but he's got to like go to get people in his organization, yeah. he's got to get together a group of people who can like go to campuses and like recruit people and like get people sending in checks and the mail and a PO box and stuff like that. It's not like me. I throw up a Patreon and a website and have a think tank. Like it takes a level of sophistication yeah. to, to pull it off. And he's a fucking just batshit crazy. <laughs> he believed all history was a battle between Aristotelians and Platonists. There might be something oh. to that. So that's Lyndon LaRouche. Um, uh, just ripped to a real one absolutely would have loved to have him on the pod oh, we should have asked nader about lyndon larouche i don't know if that would have offended him or not <laughs> nader is not crazy he's totally yeah, he's uh, he's perhaps too sane for this too world <laughs> too sane um uh but he he i'm sure they had their run-ins yeah yeah i mean well they both ran as independence yeah. yeah so uh, we have some fun guests coming up in the spring and uh we appreciate you listening to this cast we'll see you next week bye